What's going on, podcast listeners? This is the McCove Mindset, and I am Kevin McCove. Today, we're going to sit down with the indie band guru, Keith Profeta, and he's going to talk to us about just some common pitfalls that indie bands and independent artists fall into and what you can do to navigate around that to jumpstart your career. So let's jump right into it. I think people are always like, oh, like, I want to get into the industry, but like, I don't know who to talk to or no one to talk to me. And so people are accessible. Um, you know, so, and this is a way for people that maybe someone didn't think about or would have gotten overlooked because they're not like a celebrity or something like that can divulge the insight that they have into the industry or what they've been able to do as a practitioner. Like I make music or I started a business that is in the music industry, et cetera. Um, and they can kind of listen and figure out like, oh, well, that's a resource. Now let me go and try to contact that person myself or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, I've been doing it for a long time. I've had to basically started my blog 12, 13 years ago now, really just to get access to artists because I thought it was so hard to uh, actually talk to them. And then once I started doing the blog and just talking in general, it's, you know, they want to talk to you. They want to talk to everybody. Right. Oh, they're just they're regular people, imagine. <laughs> right. So what's, what's the blog that you started? Uh, Indie Band Guru. Indie it's, Band uh, Guru. So yeah, tell me about that. What is Indie Band Guru? Uh, like I said, it started as just a music review type site uh, when I was down in North Carolina at the time. I'm from New York City, so there was always music around. Then when I went down to North Carolina, it was a lot different and a kind of culture shock that I couldn't just walk out my door and be at a show in 12 minutes. Right. So I ended up you know, starting the blog just to kind of try to find new music, new independent music. And basically put it out open for submissions. And the amount of music that came in was awesome. You know, I got to find all these artists that I would have never found. And I just did basic reviews on them. The music, the albums, the singles, stuff like that. And it kind of built, you know, from there. I'll give you the whole story now if you have two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it built into um, seeing a lot of mistakes that artists make and a lot of the right things they do. So it went into more kind of help artists, you know, do the right things, avoid the pitfalls that every other band has made over the years. And it became more of a, uh, I call it knowledge to get known. I started doing knowledge to get known articles Mm. of just simple stuff from how to use social media the right way to, you know, how to approach a blogger, how to approach a playlister, stuff like that. And it kind of morphed into that. And now what I'm doing more is I'm doing artist coaching now over the past year and a half. And I also do some PR for a couple of bands as well. And that's kind of where I found my passion in the music business. There's a million different routes to it. Right. But, you know, my passion is, is helping other artists. I tried the artist route myself years ago. I had a terrible voice, so that didn't work out. But, but I always liked the business side of it. I always booked all the shows for the bands I was in. I always ran all the promotion. You know, ran the mailing list stuff, did the newsletters. So now I'm on the other side of like, I still enjoy helping other artists and other bands do that kind of behind the scenes business stuff that a lot of artists don't want to do. So right. I kind of help teach them how to, how to do it. You know, it's not as hard as you make it out to be. So, so what, like where, when you were mentioning like the, some of the pitfalls and stuff, like what are, what are some common pitfalls that you find currently right now with, with some artists that, you know, we're just trying to get started. If you had a suggestion, be like, hey, look, avoid these things. 
<laughs> well, a lot of it is that um, not people don't want to just always hear about you. You can't just be, hey, my music is great, listen to it. That should never be in the first conversation you have with, you know, whether it be a booking agent, a blogger, anybody, and even a fan. Don't don't just try hyping yourself. That doesn't work. It turns people off. You know, try to create relationships with people and actually ask them what they're into. And right. a lot of times, people ask, you know, what kind of music, a random person on the street, you know, what kind of music are you into? And you can kind of turn it into, oh, wow, my, my band plays something sort of like that. And then, then all of a sudden, the conversation turns to you and your music. Right. But don't try to put it in everyone's face right away. Nobody wants that. Nobody likes, express, and advertisements in general have changed. So stop just spamming, basically. And try right. To <laughs> right. So outside of, the, outside of the spam, what's what do you think is another thing? Like in your top three, like common things that you see or people are like... This is what is definitely not working. Um, social media, there's a million things, but in, in general, social media that is just, I mean, it comes back to what I said in the first thing, but social media shouldn't just be, hey, come to my show. You know, there's got to be some backstory. People, whether it be anybody, wants to know the full story, not just the music. The right. way the industry is gone, it's not just music anymore. It's they want to know behind the scenes. They want video. They want the whole package. They want you know your studio in the background. So be open to sharing all that instead of just throwing that. Come to my show. That's it. Right. You know, it's it seems simple and easy, but that's all people want to do. And on that note, people think that oh, I have nothing to share. I hear that quite that problem all the time. I have nothing to share with with fans or bloggers. Well, I mean, you have plenty to share. You know, your daily life is what they want to peek into. Right. You know, it's, you have to, people want to, people that can't be rock stars want to live through rock stars. So if you let them in that, let them into your little club of like, this is what I do. It seems boring, but I'm sitting in the studio for the past eight hours, bearing at these same three instruments. You know, it sounds boring as hell to you and me, but right. the fans that don't play an instrument, that's like, wow, that sounds so cool. So. Be willing to share your daily life. So do you think do you think that comes from like laziness or just from insecurity? I don't think it's laziness. I think it is insecurity and just not being aware of what you're doing is something that a lot of people want to do and can. Right. You're, you're living this dream. You know, and you know, never mind. Obviously, a lot of us aren't living, you know, rock star lifestyles where all we're doing is touring the world right now. But you're living that dream as a side hustle is your music. People want to wish they could do that. So it's just don't be insecure about sharing. You know, even your failures. You can share your failures. Right. The journey. Yeah, it's it's exactly what it is. It's a long journey, and it's not easy. And even these overnight successes, you know, people that know know they weren't overnight successes. You know, it took even someone like Taylor Swift who just popped up when she was 16. She's been singing it on stage since she was nine. Right. So, you know, it's it's not an overnight journey. It's not an overnight journey, but let people into the full journey and don't be ashamed about it. Right. So then, how did um, how did things kind of advance for you, like with the blog and you said you were blogging for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Like so for for a while, what made you want to transition? And is the blog still up? 
What's that? Is the blog still running? Are you still doing the blog? Or are you kind of... Yeah, no, it's still there. Still there, okay. IndieBandGuru.com. And we still do reviews every day. And we try to mix in more, like I said, knowledge articles to try to teach bands what to do. Gotcha. And what, really, like I mentioned before, what pushed me to do it is seeing all these bands with great music. Music that deserved to be heard, but they didn't have a plan of how to get it heard. Right. So it's... I became stepped in. It's like, listen, if you just, you know, instead of just scatterbraining everything, focus and develop a little roadmap and one step at a time, simple stuff like that, it really pays off in any business. So what do you, to you, what's like a very big oversight that you see? Like when you, when you find a band, they have great music and like they've put in the work to write good songs and they have like an image that, you know, is cohesive they have like a cohesive image and they have some branding going up on social media and stuff but it's just like ah no one's listening to my music and i can't get any follows or retention like what what do you say to someone that's like that where it's like wow you have everything but it just seems like it's not working once it becomes a they're scattered again find that what your goal is for right now your overall goal i'm just gonna keep saying rock stardom because everyone could relate to that but overall goal is there way up here, but you have to find those little short-term goals too. Like, okay, I need to get my music into the hands of people that will help promote it for me. So take the hard work now is what people don't want to see is doing the research, finding all these music blogs or even playlist curators that are into your kind of music and reaching out to them. You can't just put it out there and hope they'll find you. You have to go find them. Right. So develop a database. They're out there now. You can buy the crappy ones of databases of 100,000 bloggers, but and you can spam them all you want and get no results, but go out and actually make a contact with a blogger. Read one of their posts or review they did and a simple email of, wow, I really enjoyed your review of whatever, Nine Inch Nails. And those people on the other end too, they're just real people too. They want compliments for their work. Right. So by doing that, you're opening up a whole relationship where they're actually, a good percentage of them will email you back, oh, thank you, I really appreciate it. Now you kind of have them. Now there's an open line of communication where they're gonna look at your email before the 100 other emails of spam they get. So create relationships and you know do the hard work behind the scenes to find out the decision makers. So I have a question. Do do bloggers like yourself or whatever, like, did you ever attend any, like, blogger conventions or, like, you know, there's all these, like, different conferences now where it's like, hey, if you have a podcast, there are all these podcast conventions. And if you are into music, there are music conferences. And if you're in the business and public speaking, then there's a conference for you. Like, there's all these conferences. Are there, like, music blogger conference conferences? I never went to one. Okay. There was one in Los Angeles I had seen, but... I never went to one, and it's that's all your own thing too. It's all from the blogger side. You develop your own brand and what you want to be. So and that's without all of it. Develop what you want to be. You can't kind of. I don't know. We can we can't say that they haven't been molded artists, but you know when you are more. It's the word I'm looking for, but realistic to yourself. That's authentic. 
but everybody. Yeah, so, when dude. when you're more authentic to your own brand. Yeah, so I was I was more thinking of it as like uh, for anyone who would be listening to this podcast, just like for practical application purposes. If it's like, okay, well, I want to get in contact with bloggers, and I want to be effective and efficient. I want to get in, like, but they already don't reply to my emails, or they don't. You know, if you're clever and you're using something more like a uh, like a we transfer you send it type of thing like there are a lot of services that you can pay like 10 bucks 20 bucks for that lets you know when someone's opening your email which i always suggest is like that's a, you should invest in that it's a great use of 10 or 20 bucks to know that it, look if i'm gonna send a thousand emails in a month 30 emails a day or whatever um i want to know how many of them are being opened and I want to, you know, so spend that money. But if you have a service like that and then you see, look, I emailed 900 bloggers and 10 of them even opened the email. I'm not going to now take the time to personalize emails to bloggers and be like, look, I read your article. But like that seems to me like that could be a waste of time. But perhaps maybe if there were a place where you went like or people of the like like bloggers or whatever and a group like a conference a convention where they're all trying to network with each other as an artist going there and being like okay great i'm not trying to pitch anyone like look i make music because everyone's there hanging out with bloggers but oh like you're a blogger okay great like, let me get your info you're a blogger okay great let me like you know and, and creating the dialogue that way where you can both work smart and efficiently simultaneously because I, I just see like the one to one emails could be exhausting. Oh yeah, it is exhausting. Right. And I mean part of it, like you mentioned, just like mailing list in general, if you get a twenty five percent open rate, you're kicking ass. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. People think I sent a hundred emails, I should get ninety responses. That's that's not realistic. So how have you moved away from email more? Like, have you more automated emails and the way that you used to use email maybe like 10 or 15 years ago? Have you, like when you first started the blog even, have you moved more towards direct messaging and personal messages on social media? Um, that is a way to get attention from a blogger or whatnot. You know, those I get a lot of those too, but emails, at this point, we get about 120 to 130 pitches per day in email. And on social media, maybe we only get like two or three pitches per day. And that's why I think everyone should be, or not everyone, because then that'll mess that whole system up too. But I'm always like, get on Instagram or get on Facebook and send those people a message. Because, and, and less on Facebook and more on Instagram. Just because of the style of the platform, Facebook tends to be more people that you already know in your circle. Um, Instagram is a platform that is more built for branding anyway. Virtually everyone on Instagram is promoting a brand. Facebook, they're promoting their personal life and maybe there are some brand things. You know, and Snapchat is 100% direct. The only way you really have someone's link to their Snapchat is because you have their telephone number or, you know, like you exchanged it. So I'm like, yeah, Instagram direct messages are phenomenal because... Most people don't get a lot of DMs, you know, like unless you're a hot girl or whatever, you know, like you're not getting a lot of DMs. So like even you just said, it's like clearly it, it would be more effective 
If I wanted to get blogged, if I wanted to get on your blog to try to reach you in your DMs because you don't have to go through a hundred of them. You have to go through three. But even we're going to take from DMs in particular in the ones that I do get all day, the ones that it's like, check out my video. I'm deleting that right. Oh, right, right. Yeah. The approach still has to be the same approach, like the same thoughtful approach that you would hopefully be applying to the email. Because, because regardless, yeah, it's like regardless, if, if you just got that spam on your email, you're probably getting rid of that one too. For the most part. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Even social media is supposed to be social, not just a place to pitch your shit. Mm. Excuse my life. But, you know, so that's where the real relationships go on. And that's how the industry has changed to a relationship business. Right. I mean, they've always said it, but it's, it's who you know. And the reality is you can know more people. I mean, you mentioned the, the conferences and conventions. I go to a lot of music conferences, right. you know, as a blogger, as you know, an, an artist manager, and just meet people face to face. You know, have your business cards. You know, I feel like that's how we're connected. Yeah, probably for a, for a music conference. I I really think that we're that we have been connected through a music conference because like we were already friends. You commented on, like. Sue's thing, and then I'm like, okay, well, we're connected. So you have either been at like Millennium or Launch or Elm City or Dewey Beach Music Festival, something. Right, I spoke at Millennium the last two years. I did some panels. Okay, um, I spoke at a panel in Millennium in February too. Okay. So go. yeah, there we go. Okay, we're probably in the same circle. The small world. Yes. Like I said, even though we, I don't remember officially shaking your hand and meeting you. Just that whole, that's where it becomes social media. Right. Same circles. You know, Susie, you mentioned commenting on her, her page. I've known her for about four or five years now. We hung out, we've had coffees. So it becomes more of just meeting people face to face and then in the, you know, on, online, so to speak. On the yeah. line. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still, you have that connection because whether you met face to face or someone you know, has met them face to face. Right, it's it kind of softens it up. It get, it's like a qualifier. Yes. It's, yeah, it's like a qualifier. I mean, that's, you know, it comes back to messaging, emailing. If there is a, a connection, even for dating, when you say, hey, you know, you try to talk to a girl and, oh, you probably know my friend Jack, that it breaks down a barrier that's right, right. there. So it's just, it's the same kind of process. So have you experienced in like any of the work that you've been doing with the bands and stuff, what is, or rather, what is your take on, like, uh, streaming? Like, are, are you pushing, do you think that it's valuable, that it's not as valuable as some people think that it is? Or, like, where do, where do you stand? Streaming is a necessity now. No one is buying CDs anymore. Those days are kind of gone. So there's still the people that are trying to fight it and still want to not be on streaming platforms. That's, it's a lost cause. Right. Granted, the streaming payouts aren't tremendous, and you're not gonna, you know, make your millions from getting streams. But it's also a promo tool. You know, getting on, getting on a playlist, people are gonna hear your music that would have never discovered you. Right. So you have to use it both ways. It's yes, you want your fans to listen to you on a streaming platform. That instead of let's say uh, downloading from something like Napster in the day. But you're still going to get paid for these streaming platforms. Yes, it's a tenth of a penny, but you're you're building that up. And also, it's it's promotion. You're getting your music heard, and that's what 
that's why we all make music is to get it heard. Right. So, you know, don't think all about the money. Don't think all about selling CDs or selling things, but get the music out there and it has to be streamable. You know, so that's what people find. Even I'll interrupt that too. As a blogger, when someone sends me a pitch, I am not downloading their MP3. Right. <laughs> you know, I get those all the time. It's like, I'm, I'm not, who don't, you know, you look at it the other way, it could be a virus. I'm not downloading anything on my computer, but if I can click your SoundCloud link and listen to it in half a second, that's, that's exactly great. what I want. Right. <laughs> you know, that makes it a lot easier. So you have to be streamable and you have to push your streams. So when you say push your streams, let and let me know, let us know what your definition of push your streams is in a, in a way that you think is effective to do that. It's going to sound really simple, but ask people to go streaming music <laughs> on a platform. Let's say you want, you should focus, don't get me wrong. You want to have your music everywhere. Let's say Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, have the music everywhere, but focus on one. I prefer Spotify now because it just keeps growing and everybody seems to have it now. Um, and just push both ass fans. Hey, you know, have you heard my new song yet? Here's a link to go stream it right now with one click. Go stream it on Spotify. Right. And just asking, like that ask without pushing. You know, don't say, hey, my is the greatest. It's like, hey, have you heard this yet? You know, here's my latest song. Here's the link. Without saying, hey, even don't say go listen. Just here it is. And people will click the link and will go check it out just because it's there. Like put it in their face and they'll take it without punching it in the face to... uh Shut down the throat. Right. And then what about playlists? How, how do you feel about playlisting and uh, ones that you have to pay to get on? All that, all that jazz. How do you feel about that? I'm very against paying to get on any playlist. Okay. And then it's... It defeats a lot of the purpose of it and it becomes what radio was years ago and that pay to play. It's, it's gonna, that's going to blow up in, in the meantime. Spotify is already... Um, shutting down playlists when they find out that people are accepting payments or playlists uh, uh, placements, so to speak. Yes, they'll be the promotion companies, and those I can accept a little bit because those promotion companies, what they've done is built up relationships with the curators. So they they're an open door where they have your music and they can go to that curator just like you could. Granted, they've built up the relationships now, so they're ahead of the game. And that's why they demand a fee. But it's the same thing that you could do of searching the curator. It's very simple to find them. Not all of them, don't get me wrong. But if you go on Spotify and find a playlist with a thousand listeners, you know, you could see the user right there. Usually it's just a random name. And you could go search that name, whether it be good old Google or you search that name on Facebook, you'll find that person and send them a message. And back to, I keep backtracking a little, but that message isn't, hey, my music should be on your playlist. Right. That message is, really enjoyed your playlist. This song in particular really connected with me. And you wait. And if they respond to you, now you kind of, it's like fishing. You have them on the right. hook now. Just a matter of really a in and saying, yeah, that was really great. My new song, you might like because it relates to that. Where it's, you're asking them instead of telling them what they should do. Right. It's funny. So I personally, actually, I have like a, I'm in the middle. So I already feel like, you know, if, if it's about making money, then yeah, you don't really need to be on 
Spotify and stuff like that. Like, you, if you already have the fan base, if you already have, like, kind of a network of trusted fans, then, yeah, you could host it yourself. It's your music. You can put it on your own website and charge them for it or build a subscription plan or a package or whatever. Like, you can always do that. Um, and then you can get what you may think your music is worth, uh, quote, unquote. Um, and then if you are going to go the route of streaming and understanding that you may not make that much money on it, then it is about exposure. I'm like, yeah, I think that paying on a paying to play, be on a playlist is smart, assuming you choose the right playlist under the right. So what I've definitely talked to people about is playlist leveraging. Like, were you about to try to get on 10 different playlists for $100 each? Maybe you should just take that $1,000 and try to get on the biggest playlist that you can and then list all of the other 10 that you would have spent 100 on. Like pretty much just fish. You know, go out, hit up as many playlist curators as you can. Find out what the range of prices are. Like so price to listener base. Also find out what that money gets you. Am I being added to the playlist anywhere on the playlist or am I going to be in the top three? Um, and how do I guarantee that I'm in the top three? And then once I'm added to the top three, how frequently do you rotate your playlist? And can I stay there for a week? Does this buy me a week? Does this buy me two weeks? How many, you know, like those types of details you kind of definitely want to know already. Once you kind of have that and you have your list, go to the premier one, guarantee your goods on that. You still want to be in the top three. You still want like, so spend your G on that. And then go back to every one of those other playlists that you've spoken with and say, oh, thank you so much. I'm really glad that I know all this information, blah, blah, blah. But I have just been added to Rap Caviar, whatever, you know, like a, a major playlist and then leverage it and say, if you put my song that is now climbing at a rate of 10,000 hits per day or whatever on your playlist your playlist is about to increase. So you've shifted the dynamic of who has, who has value to offer um, during the time that they were already kind of interested in you because they're trying to get a sale to some degree. Um, and now what you've done is brought the value back to them where you have the leverage. Uh, and that's how you end up on 100 playlists for $1,000 instead of 10 playlists for $1,000. Um, and it's not like everybody has to do it. It's like it's a method. If you are going to go into it, I'm like, what's the most clever way to try to get the most bang for your buck? Because the situation is shitty regardless. You know, <laughs> like it's a, it's a crap situation regardless. And you got to find a way to hustle because the labels have found a way to out hustle. Because it used to be like you and I could get on Spotify and we can make our own playlists and then they were blowing up and, and that's kind of like who the premier curators are, right? But then they started shaving them out. They started cutting them out. The only thing that is kind of being put up at the top is Spotify curated playlists. And we know that like UMG bought Spotify, like bought like a major portion of it anyway. So it, you kind of already are back at the will of the labels. So this is a way to try to manipulate that without a deal. Like you mentioned, it's, it's about adding value 
showing your value. Right. And with those and uh, the streams, they also have the, the bigger playlist as well. Have that like that FOMO, that fear of missing out. Right. Something you know, the song is kind of breaking, and now, like you said, you kind of parlay it. Where oh, my song is breaking on, we'll say rap caviar. You know, all these other little ones are going to want to just on the put song it on. Well right. They love it. Right. They want a piece of getting hot. Yeah, and they're not charging. Because they know the value that it has. So they're like, no, 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 I don't want to charge that. They they might put it on because you've already cut out some of the legwork for yourself in trying to contact some people because they're just going to be like, oh, this is starting to, this is starting to be hot. Okay, let me put it on. Um, yeah, it's, it's neat how the industry has shifted itself. So it's constant, constantly evolving. Um, what what what's going on with like some of the bands that you are working with right now? Like, what do you think are like the biggest hurdles and challenges that you you and your bands are facing? Um, I've been working with uh, Stephanie Grace, a country pop artist, for like the last two months, and great music, great personality, but she just was trying to do a hundred things at once, and it just doesn't work that way. You have to develop that. You know, uh, Rick Parker calls it a blueprint. You know, I've, I've called it a roadmap. It's you have to do one thing at a time and just one thing builds to the next. When you're trying to do everything at once, whether it be your social medias and, and getting on Spotify, when you're trying to do everything at once, you're going to do everything half fast. Yeah. When, when you put all your focus, it's okay, this week I'm Spotify, you know, and I'm doing all I can for Spotify. Take those, I mean, we both know Sue's, take those time blocks. And, you know, say for two hours today, this is what I'm doing. Do not bother me, but I'm reaching out to as many Spotify curators as I can. Yeah. You know, and then without trying to say, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to post on Instagram and then reach out to a blogger and then try to get on Spotify. You're, you're hurting yourself because you're not putting your all into anything. Right. And it's, it's just scattershot and you might get lucky with one thing, but the real purpose of what you're trying to do is getting lost. So I'm all about taking one day, one week, and focus on one aspect of that career. And now she's doing great. She, I just got Stephanie doing Instagram Lives. She's went on last Tuesday doing every Tuesday. Consistency is another part of it. Right. And every Tuesday she goes on, she plays a song, uh, does a little topic discussion of what the song was about, what, how you know the song came to her, about something about how she got started. And then she does a little Q&A. And it, she does it in like 20 to 30 minutes. And the uh, response was tremendous. Awesome. You know, people keep coming up. There was only something not huge live. Maybe 70 people watched it live. But the replays and, and the comments she's getting now after it the next week have been, you know, very valuable to her. Awesome. Awesome. Have you... Do you think that there is like less of a space or more of a space for performing now? Uh, define performing, 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 well, performing live, I suppose, live performances. I know in like the Philadelphia area, um, even in the Baltimore area, like a lot of live music venues are just like kind of closing their doors left and right. Um, and are you, are you still up in New York area? Yeah, I'm in New York. Right. So are you guys experiencing that there too? A lot of the good Good, great venues have closed down. Some other ones have popped into their place, but 
it comes back to people don't want to leave their house anymore. Right. You know, people aren't going out to see live shows as much when they could sit on their phone and watch a show as well. So, I mean, I, I like to push the festivals. You know, if you can get yourself, even Millennium Music Conference, you mentioned, getting to play even there, you're getting in front of new eyes, random people that you're not going to see in your town every day. We let us face it, any band starting out, any rapper starting out, it's their, their 10 friends that come to their shows for the first year. Right. You know? And it's, you know, you got to expand your, expand your brand of getting yourself in front of new eyeballs, whether that be performing. So I still think you have to go out there and perform live, but don't expect the crowds to be what they used to be when there was less to do. You know, and then I'll take it back to when I was in North Carolina as well. It was 12 years ago now, but because there was less to do and less venues than Manhattan, where I am, those places were packed because mm, that's the only place to go. Right. right. But when it gets oversaturated, yeah, it's going to spread out and venues are going to close too. So how do you feel? How do you feel about uh, you know the there's a huge wave of house shows, house shows, backyard shows, that kind of thing, because venues are shutting down and people are like, well, I still need to put, so if you're not going to leave your house and come to my show, I'm going to come to your house and do the show. Um, how do you feel about like that whole market? Do you think that it's viable, that it's something somebody can keep up? Like, I like it, but it's, there's different aspects to it. Like, let's say uh, a full rock band. It's tough to find a house show with room to set up your full rock band stage show. Right. You know, for a singer-songwriter or, or rapper that's playing with tracks, obviously you could just be in a living room in an apartment building in Manhattan. That'll work. But you have to realize what your market is and what your audience is. Right. And that, that's who you want to go to the house shows for. You know, I don't think it's good for bands. I'll put it that way. House shows for a full band, isn't going to work. It's just too much work to set up. So, but for a singer-songwriter with a guitar or rap with tracks, they're gold right now. You're getting, you're getting in front of that fan. You're basically doing that fan a favor because he's the he's a star right now. Right. He's, he's hosting it. He's track. the venue. Right. He is the venue. Right. And he's introducing you to all his friends. And he has uh, credibility, so to speak. Where like he's like, wow, I got this artist to my house to come play. Number one, he's gonna rave about you for as long as you don't destroy his kitchen. He's right. gonna rave about ever. But and he's gonna introduce you to people that would never have found you, right? Friends. And he's and invested he in it people. because it's his party. He wants it to go well. He's. It's like that you make someone else invested in it. Um, and that's what I kind of like about the house shows. And it's funny because so I've suggested workarounds for the I've. I know what you mean about like the whole, well, if you're a singer-songwriter, it doesn't matter because you, it's like you and your guitar, you grab a light, maybe, you know, like you got a little vibe that you can set up and you're good to go. Uh, and if you're a band, it's like now you may have an issue. The workaround that I've found out of that is renting Airbnbs. Literally like contacting someone or whatever in an area that's like, Hey, look, I, so in order to keep the investment, so not I run an Airbnb and look, hey, everybody, this is where I'm doing a show. Yeah, that's not going to work. But what makes house shows work is the fact that the host does the work for you. 
So if you rent the Airbnb and still contact the host, hey, I want to do a house show, but I have a band. Can you host it in this Airbnb? So it's like, oh, this is still my party, still my thing with my friends. And now we've added the cool factor of now I'm in some like legit ass mansion or some shit like that. Okay, cool. And that is a dope thing too, because it also kind of, it opens you up into the world of like, get some people there with some cameras, some video or whatever. It can be an iPhone, you know, just get some good shots of you in this like dope place, because then you can use that to market it to other. Hey, look, I did this Airbnb show before at here. Would you be interested in? And then you almost have, it's like you kind of create the venue for yourself. That's what I mean, what you mentioned, video and, and pictures, you want to create that social proof. And whether it takes, okay, you're going to rent out that mansion, it's going to cost you a little bit up front, but you're creating that proof of like, look what we do. They don't need to know that you paid for that venue. You know, right. you know you paid for it, but now you have, look, he sold out, he had 500 people in this mansion. Obviously, they want to jump on that. What, what so. kills me is that like, so I've, I've definitely, I've, coached people into that like hey look this is a way this is a workaround for you in this because i began thinking about that kind of thing because there would be venues that would be like okay yeah to play here if you don't have xyz like one you have to have this draw and then to play you need to front like five hundred dollars and we'll give you 50 tickets and yeah, exactly. And you got to pre-sell them. And it's just it's crazy. I, I was seeing bands going into debt to play. Like, oh, well, we, we couldn't move this many tickets. So then we had to foot, you know, the other $370 that we didn't sell in tickets. And then, you know, it's crazy. I'm like, yeah, so you can get an Airbnb for a lot. You can get a dope, dope ass Airbnb for like $300. 300 for one night, $300. You can, if you want, bring a keg there. Have somebody work the keg. That money's yours now. Keg, 70 bucks. Now you, you're charging $5 a cup or whatever like that. Unlimited refills and you got 40 people there. You, you made your money back for the keg and the Airbnb just off people drinking. They're happy because they only spent $500 to drink their face off. I mean, $5 to drink their face off. You got them in the venue. Like, yeah, and you can have a merch table there and now they can buy, you know I mean? There's just like so much when you control this space and you can, so that's why I'm also like, yeah, venues are gonna keep shutting down because they're not hip to like, just the capabilities that we have, just like on a phone, you can set all that up right on your phone and then blast out no overhead charge whatsoever. Ticket sales, F that noise. Like, look, ticket sales where I gotta go and physically hand you a ticket and all that kind of stuff, like, no, nah, I don't think so. How about I just Venmo request $10 from you. Now, whether you come or not, I still have your dollars. You know, like, there's just like so many workarounds. Um, it is. And you know, even you, you know, you're talking inside mansion. There's backyards you can play. Backyard, yes. And you like in the backyard. Now it's a party. You know, all summer, let's say. You can't do it. In, you know, in the winter up in New York and Philly. Right. 
a summer backyard party. It's it's an event. It's not just a show where you're playing music. It's a party, an event where people want to be there. Right. You know, and it's, but it's more than just your music because that's what you have to be now. It's more than just the music. It is. And, it, I, you know, I even... I would even challenge, because I just don't like to see barriers like that, even if it's New York and it's in the winter. If you got the space, spend the few dollars that it's going to cost to get some of those, like, heating lamp johns, you know, and, and post them up around the area. If it's Just do it. You know, especially because it's like, if it is... A venue, or if you if you have a plug, right? Like if you have a connect where you can be like, oh look, this bar over here. They normally have outside seating and they have this, but I'm gonna do this backyard party on a Tuesday night where this venue that has eight of these lamps won't use them because they don't. No one comes into this restaurant after 7 p.m. or whatever on a Tuesday, and my concert's gonna be at an eight at 8 p.m. on Tuesday. So I'm going to go there and spend 50 bucks and be like, look, you can rent these to me for $10 a piece because you can't use them. Like, you know, like you're not going to use them. They're not going to make you any money. You want to make 50 bucks? Give them to me and I'll bring them back to you. You know, like simple, you know, like th- don't even let that stop you. Oh, it's cold outside. Fuck it. Make it warm outside then. Like, you know, like, it's, it's funny because the, the solutions are there if you're willing to figure them out. Right. Up with that big plan and don't think of how to get there. You're wasting everyone's time, but it's doable if you're willing to put in the work. Yeah, and it's what's funny. The best thing is that it's not like it's a lot of work. It's literally just like common sense. It's 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 common sense of like, wow, I don't have a place to play. How many people do you know that have houses or apartments? Like, you got a place to play. Oh, well, their place is small. Like, okay, Airbnb. Oh, well, I don't know how to get people there. Okay, Uber them. Like, you know, or, you know, whatever it is. I've seen, like, I've seen people know that they've had big, sh- to have a big show. Like, you know, this is a big show. This is important. Maybe there are going to be, like, some label reps there or something like that. And they know this in advance, months in advance. And they're not, like... You, for some reason, you didn't get on like GoFundMe or something and be like, look, I need this money to rent a school bus for a day and we're about to load 55 people on this school bus and I'm covering the transportation or whatever. We're going to go there and it's going to be a party on the way up. Okay, then we get to the venue and you're, you roll in 55 deep. For your 45-minute set or whatever, you impress the labels, you impress whoever it is that's there. Get back on the bus, everybody's like, for a couple hundred bucks, like, as an opportunity. And you see people with great opportunities roll into the spot. It's like, oh, well, where's your support system? And it's like their mom and their dad and their friend and their girlfriend, and that's it. They got five people with them. Well, there's that other belief that that... A band is just going to play a great song and the label reps or whatever are going to handle everything else. And that, that is long gone. You know, labels, booking agents, everything, they want to buy the package that you already built. At <laughs> <Right>. discount. All <laughs> 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 the work to be done already. There's no more A&R. Let's, let's face fact. It's, it's shrunk to that business. Yeah. They, the A&R wants to buy fans they want to buy mailing lists they want to buy 
cell phone numbers. They want the band to have that already because that's what they're buying. Yeah. Uh, go back to what's that? That uh, that how about there, girl? Uh, how about that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Danielle Vergoli. She had nothing except a million Instagram followers, and they gave her a record deal. Yeah. But they gave her a record deal because they knew they had a million Instagram followers right there. Music is music is one of like the. I think personally, and not to like downplay music and musicians and any of that, but it's just one of the easiest things to relate to. So it's the easiest business to get into once you already have a foothold in a market. You know, like if if Mark Cuban wanted to drop an album right now, he would get more streams on it than 80% of the people who are like, I'm an artist and I play music and I, okay. He has a reputation. So, you know, so because he already has the audience, Listening has become so immediate and passive. He will get more plays because I know if I'm like, oh, Mark Cuban came out with a, like a, a single or something and it has a little bit of promotion behind it. I will take the three minutes because it doesn't cost me anything. I already pay for the subscription. This is just all right. Along with the rest of the things I'm doing while I'm washing the dishes or while I'm checking something, I'll just press play. It will get that stream. And whether it sucks or not, it's still got the play. I already spend the money to listen to music indefinitely for $9.99 a month or whatever. So and you also have to realize how the Spotify algorithm works. It's when random people stream it, it Spotify feeds it to other people to stream. Right. It's like, this is cool now. Builds on itself because you're getting those initial streams on your brand, right? You know, and they don't have to go and buy a CD for nine ninety nine. You know, it's it's one click. One click is there, yeah. Cause you don't feel the cost, right? You already pay for it. It's like, all right, all right, yeah. I'll press play on anything because it doesn't virtually. It's like it doesn't cost me. I get more value out of my subscription by pressing play more times. By more time spent listening. That's exactly. Good. Yeah, you know, so it's like, all right, if, if I don't listen to anything, I have wasted my nine ninety nine. So if Mark Cuban puts out the crappiest album ever, or maybe he puts out a dope album because Mark Cuban is dope. So like, either way, I feel like I need to press play on this if it's in front of me because I already pay for it. And I don't want to feel like I'm wasting my money. You know, it doesn't cost me anything to pray. So like, all right, play. <laughs> you know, clicks have lost all value too. I mean, a click is, like you said, it's just one little click, done. And it's, you know, you're not purchasing, you're not buying, you're not jumping through hoops. I mean, there's the people that still try, and it's a technique I've pushed in the past to build a mailing list offer a free download to get someone signed up your mailing list, then you send them the link to download a song. Those days are gone too because people don't want to download anything. They don't want to right. download all the... It's too much work. one button your music. Yeah. Yeah, I only want something like, like if you send me a... If I do this and I get a Starbucks card, all right, maybe. <laughs> Even at that point, it's like, maybe. I already go, I already go to Starbucks, right? They give me a receipt. They say, if you go online, 
and type in these seven digits, you'll get a free coffee. I'm like, I'd rather just spend four fifty on the next coffee than use this receipt and get a free one. It's crazy. You know what I mean? It's, it's insane, but... I do get my free donut with every coffee I buy at Dunkin' Donuts because I fill out that little code on the back of the Dunkin' Donuts receipt, so... That's a win! Yeah, <laughs> you, you are that person. But even then, you're still getting something. Yes. And getting something that's tangible... You, I feel like getting a, a listen to a song, music has virtually no value. It's unfortunate, but true. Yes. Yeah, you know, like it's it's everywhere, or it has it has no, it has value. Don't get me wrong. You know, like it has this transient property that, like, oh my god, it makes me feel this, or it makes me feel that, or it takes me somewhere else. Escapism, like, there's that. But you know what I mean? <laughs> like, no value. And that goes back to I think you know the whole download Napster that diminished the actual value of music to, to nothing because, you know, it was before that, it was, I had to go buy a CD. I had to go buy a cassette single to listen to a song, walk into the radio and get served ads. Either way, right. you know, you were packed. And now it's just, you, they took away that value by sharing and downloading for free. And people thought that's how it should be. They took away that monetary value. So I've, it's you know it still has so right it still has value it just doesn't have any monetary value, um, which you have to turn it into and that's where back to how artists can make a living it's you have to realize that the music itself a lot of times is just a promo tool to get people to buy concert tickets to buy T-shirts to buy stuff and spend their money they're not spending money on the music anymore right as much as they're spending money on merch or experiences right. Or you, <laughs> or even just you. Like, I, th- I think that. Well, like, uh, look at meet and greets. Meet and greets are one of the biggest sellers now for the big tours. Yes. You know, yes, they all buy the show, and they're willing to spend another hundred dollars to be in a room with the artist and maybe shake their hand and ask one question. It blows my mind. Not to me. To me, that makes the most sense ever. It would. It, to me, it makes sense that meet and greets. The value of them would go up. Because the exposure has gone up. You know how much... Imagine it's a girl, right? Imagine there's a girl and you've been talking to her all the time. Like, you can see her via a screen all the time. You've engaged in conversation. You, like... And then there is an opportunity to meet. You want to meet. Like, it's way more built up now. It's not, well, I only see this person on TV when they happen to be on Jimmy Fallon or when there's a concert. So they're out of sight, out of mind. When it's just repetition every day, you're tuned into somebody's story, you're liking their post, you're reading about their thoughts, like you're so into a person. People on social media, don't separate it. So it's like, for instance, I won't even say people, I'll say like myself even. There are some people on social media I feel like I know them. I, that's how I feel. I feel like I know them. And if I were to see them in person and be like, my level of comfort would be like, hey, what's up? And I would know what you ate yesterday, what your kids' names are, uh, what kind of car you drive. What, like, I would know all of this stuff about you. And you would look at me and be like, who the fuck are you? You know, so... To, to have the ability to break that barrier down and feel like I'm noticed back 
and that there's this human interaction, oh my God, the, that value has grown exponentially. Totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it goes back a little to, that's what I'm saying, they, fans, on the fan side, you have to, as an artist, you have to show them your whole life because that's what they're living through. Right. I've said it 10 times, though, and I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it's not just the music, it's the whole brand, the whole person, and that's where they think they're your friend. And I, I'm trying to think of a good word for it. Maybe you can help me. I want to pitch that whole, those, your first few fans are your friends. You know, those are who's going to come to your show, people you know personally. After that, you're going to build those fans, but you want to make them feel like friends. So I'm working on some, like, fan friend word that I'm going to brand. So <laughs> Fan friend word. Yes. <laughs> but you have to treat your fans like they're your friends. And not even in person, but because it's online let them into your life you're my friend like this is where i'm going tonight and even if they're on the other side of the world they're like oh you know if i was in new york i could go hang out at that club with keith it's right. they're your friend they're not just your fans anymore they're your friends yeah it's like school it's 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 just like like in school let's say it's high school right you have like your clique you have your set of close friends that you hang out with but Everyone else in the school still knows who you are. And everyone in the school is still going to support you. You just have a platform. And that platform in schools is normally maybe you were on the basketball team. Or you were, you know, so there are a whole bunch of people who are cheering and rooting for you. And, and technically p paying to come see you. Um, and you don't know every one of them. But they know you. And they know a lot more about you than you probably know about them. Maybe you never even noticed them before. But they have an inside look. You know, so like they're still going to support you. There are people. That's what I was going to say. They want to support you. They want to see you win because they know you. Right. You know? Exactly. Like they know you. <laughs> Everyone wants to say, hey, this my, they're going to say to your friend anyway, this guy I went to high school with became a pitcher in the major leagues. You know, I, I played on a little league team with a guy that went, went pro. I'm going to probably tell that story forever. Right. <laughs> right. And like that's it's exactly the same thing. Social media just like is it's exactly that same thing. I think that sometimes we like to separate it like this is social media and this is the real world. And it's like, no, nah, they're both like the same thing. It's just like walking from your kitchen to the dining room. You're still in the house. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing. You're just in a different room. You're in a different location. So there are certain things that you can do in the kitchen that you can't do in the dining room. There are certain things you can do in the dining room that you can't do in the kitchen. Like, in the dining room, you're sitting, you are probably with everyone else that is here. In the kitchen, it's like, well, you're cooking, you're working, and everyone can't be in the kitchen because then it'll be too crowded. Like, but you're both still in the house. Nothing really changed. Yeah, and I think that some the way that we interact on social media sometimes is like, we forget that it's the same thing as real life. If, you're, if you see someone that you recognize in real life and you don't say hi to them, you don't acknowledge them, you're a dick. If you're on social media and someone comments on your post and you don't acknowledge it, you're a dick. Like, you know? Like, well, that's where personality, your personality has to go into your social media. It's you have to, yes, be that friendly person that's going to say hi to everybody or nobody's going to give a shit about it. Right. You know, be, be the, don't be the dick. <laughs> don't, 
Branding 101. Don't be a dick. Yes. <laughs> that wraps up another episode of the McCove Mindset Podcast. If you appreciated any of the information in the discussion today, please rate, comment, and subscribe. Every bit of support is appreciated. And I want to continue to bring you content that will enhance your career, your life, and your overall mindset. So again, thank you for listening, and I'll see you soon. I know someone will be someone. It's you, it's you.